I'm on my way. Yes, I'm on my way. Yeah, I'm on my way back home. Yes, I'm on my way. Yeah, I'm on my way. Yes, I'm on my way back home. Well, the last line of that video clip reads, uh, Jesus has already overcome the world and he's coming back to take us home. But the question that I want to begin with this morning is this one. Um, what are we to do while we're waiting for Jesus to return in this uh, in-between time? Philip Yancey in the book, The Jesus I Never Knew, suggests that this in-between time, it's really like we're living uh, in between Good Friday and Easter Sunday in many ways. It's like we've experienced the cross, but not fully, not completely the, the resurrection yet. And so he says, uh, human history simply grinds on somewhere between the time of promise and the time of fulfillment. You see, as believers, we, we live with the promise of forgiveness of sin and we live with the promise of eternal life and we live with the promise of a glorious inheritance and we live with the promise of a day that will be free from tears and pain and sorrow and all of those things and yet the total fulfillment of those promises still remains to some extent at least um, in the future and so we really are living in this kind of in-between time uh, between God's promises and the time of complete, complete uh, fulfillment of those, of those promises. And so what I'm wondering and, and what I really want to get at this morning is what are we to do uh, while we're waiting for the completion of God's plan in this in-between times, especially, especially uh, when it seems like what's happening in our lives doesn't fit 
with our understanding of how the plan should even go, really. When we face these times of change and, and, and uncertainty, when it seems like God himself doesn't even know God's own business, you know, when he's doing things that, and, and, and acting in ways that seem to be out of character with, with our understanding of God, when he's doing things and allowing things that, 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 that just seem contrary to our understanding of how we see God's plan unfolding. I mean, what are we to do in, in those times? Now, I took you to that strange little book of Habakkuk last Sunday, and I actually want to go back there again this week. Because I believe in so many ways what Habakkuk was facing 2,600 years ago is really no different uh, than where many of us find ourselves living today. So take your Bibles, if you would, and turn there to the book of Habakkuk. If you have a relatively new Bible, chances are those are the pages that are still stuck together. We're going to fix that this morning. Uh, you can go to Matthew and hang left a few pages or uh, uh, look it up in the index, whatever. Just get yourself over to the book of Habakkuk and uh, heading to Habakkuk chapter 1, beginning at verse 12 this morning. And uh, if you remember the context here, Habakkuk was living in troubling times, really, in many ways. He was down there in that southern part of Israel. Remember, the northern tribe was taken out. Uh, he was a prophet down there to the remaining Israelites in the tribe of Judah. Uh, but see, in, in Habakkuk's day, um, wickedness and, and, and evil, and uh, I, I mean, it was just bad things were happening, e even there with God's chosen people. I mean, there was conflict, and there was corruption, and and, and there was perversion, and there was injustice, and it, it, was just, it, it was just a bad place to be. And to make matters worse, even though Habakkuk cried out to God day and night, still uh, it seemed like God was silent, like he wasn't responding, like he'd grown somehow indifferent to the situation. Let me ask you, is... Is there anyone here who can't relate to that feeling? That sense of, where is God? I mean, he just seems to be remaining silent in my situation. Maybe it's a, a time of sickness, and you've, you've prayed about that, and you've called out to God about that, but it just doesn't seem like he's responding to the need. Or for those of us who have children who aren't walking with the Lord and we pray for them night after night and some of you have been doing that for years and years and still there's been no response yet and it seems like God is just remaining silent to what I'm asking for there. For others it's maybe a job loss or it's a conflict in the workplace or a problem at school or a, or a marriage issue or a family issue and you've been praying about it and you've been calling out to God about that thing but for whatever reason it seems like he's not responding. Loved ones, listen, that's, that's exactly where Habakkuk started out last week. But then you know what? Finally, finally God does answer. He hears from God. If you remember last week, chapter 1, verse 5, God says, Habakkuk, listen, I'm going to do something in your day that you wouldn't believe, even if I told you about it. You're going to be utterly amazed. But see, listen, there's a problem here. 
there's a problem, Habakkuk, and it's this. You're not going to understand what I'm about to do. The problem is, for a little while longer, you're not going to understand the plan. I mean, when you hear what I'm going to do, it's not going to make any sense. Because first of all, I'm, I'm raising up the Babylonians. Now, friends, you need to realize as bad as things were at Habakkuk's uh, neighborhood, uh, the Babylonians were worse. And so you can imagine, I mean, you think about that for a second, for a holy God to use someone as evil and wicked as them to bring correction to his own people, that just makes no sense for a holy God to do something like that. And what frustrates Habakkuk here is that he knows who God is and he knows what God's like and yet it seems like God himself is acting out of character. And so in chapter 1 verse 12 he begins with some questions for God and then just to make sure that God's got the picture he kind of follows that up with an illustration. So as we begin here get get the picture in your mind. Um, Things are bad in Judah. God's told Habakkuk Uh, the correction plan. He's raising up the Babylonians. God himself has described how evil and wicked and horrible those people are, and yet still, that's his plan. Makes no sense, really. Makes no sense to me. But still, that's God's plan. And so Habakkuk begins with this. First of all, some questions. Verse 12. O Lord, are you not from everlasting? That's how he begins. In other words, do I, do I really know you, God? Are, are, you, are, are you not from everlasting? It's like, I, I just want to make sure that I've got the right person here. I want to make sure that you're who I think you are. Are you not the one that's from everlasting? And then notice immediately he answers that question. And he says, my God, my Holy One, we will not die. O Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. O Rock, you have ordained them to punish. In other words, you're still God, my Rock. You're doing some stuff that I don't understand, but I do know who you are. I do know that you're from everlasting. I do know that you're the God of all eternity. I do know that you're someone who sees the picture in a much broader perspective than I do. But if I understand you correctly, God, verse 13, he says, if I, if I really understand you, he says, your eyes are, are too pure to look on evil. You can't tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves. In other words, why do you take a hands-off approach to this situation here, God? Now, just let me ask you, uh, did God have his hand off the situation? I mean, had God lost control? Let's just take a vote. Anybody think that God had lost control of the situation here? No, of course not. But friends, listen, to Habakkuk, it sure seemed like it, didn't it? when he's in it. Now, I don't know about you, but I have been there often in that place where it seems like the situation is is out of God's control or that he's remaining silent or choosing not 
to do anything with it. It's like bottom line, where, where are you or, or why are you doing it this way, God? I mean, from my perspective, Habakkuk says here, here's what it looks like. Let me give you a little word picture, God. Let me give you an illustration. Verse 14, here's the way I see it, God. You have made men like fish in the sea, like sea creatures that, that, that have no ruler. That, that's us, God. We're, we're, we're all just kind of floating around down here. You've made men like fish in the sea. We're, 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 just, we're just fish in the sea. But the wicked foe, the Babylonians in this case, the wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, to make matters worse, God, therefore he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury and he enjoys the choicest of food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations, without mercy. It's like, God, I just flat out don't understand. I thought you were a God of love and justice and mercy. How can you tolerate what's happening here? Innocent people are going to suffer, God. Why are you doing it this way? Why are you choosing to allow them to come in and do this? So the ultimate question of the morning, and I believe so incredibly relevant, many of us today, what are we to do when we don't understand what God's doing? I believe there's three answers in these next four verses. To make this easier to remember, I've broken it down into three single words, okay? All in favor of making God's word easy to remember. Hopefully that's okay. Uh, broke it down into three words. And uh, here's the first one. It's the word watch. It's the word watch. We need to get our eyes off of the situation and get them focused over here onto God himself. Just notice what Habakkuk says here after he's poured out his heart to God. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, he says here's what I'm going to do. You, you've heard me, God. You, you know, you, you've, you've heard my questions. I've given you the illustration. Here's what I'm going to do. Chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I will stand my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I'll look to see what he'll say to me and whatever answer I'm to give to this complaint. Station myself on the rampart. You say, uh, what's a rampart? At least I did this past week. And uh, uh, what that was was an elevation or, or an embankment. They'd build these around the ancient cities and they'd uh, post somebody up there uh, to watch, you know, to see if there was any enemies coming so that no one could sneak up on them by surprise. Uh, if you remember the show Prison Break, they had that big old watchtower in the corner. There was always a guard up there, right? That's, that's what Habakkuk's talking about here. That's the rampart. That's, that's that elevated part. And, and so what he's saying here is that, God, I, I, I'm going to get myself up there on a hill somewhere. But notice why. So important. Not so that I can see what's going on in the land of Judah. In other words, he's not up there all bent out of shape looking down at the situation, trying to analyze it, trying to figure out what's my next move, what am I going to do here? 
you know, what could I have done differently? What, what should we have said? What if this? What if that? Maybe if I do this. No, listen, Habakkuk is up there in the watchtower for one reason, and it's to hear from God. He's up there to get focused on God himself. You see, friends, listen, Habakkuk didn't stay fixated on the problem. He didn't allow himself to become consumed and overwhelmed by the situation and get all out of control. No, instead, Habakkuk got himself up on the watchtower, up to a place where he could hear from God. Friends, I believe the point for us this morning is that when we're faced with problems and questions and things we don't understand and stuff going on in our lives that just doesn't add up to us, when we're going through that, the first thing we need to do is get our eyes off of the situation, off the circumstance, and get to a place where we can focus in on God himself, where we can hear from God. You see, so often we allow our problems to become so big. We, we, we become consumed, so involved in that situation. And, and over time, it becomes the only thing that we can see. And it's like, you know, God, I, I, I just don't understand this. I, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And sometimes we need to step away from that, and we need to get to a place where I can say, God, I, I can't do anything with that anyway, so help me over here. I'm going to get my eyes focused in on you. Even in the midst of a very difficult situation, Habakkuk gets to a place where he can see God. We don't understand what God's doing in our lives. We need to watch. We need to get focused on God. How do we do that? We get into his word. We, we get talking to him in prayer. We sit quietly in a, in, in a quiet place, just sitting there in his presence, our Bible open, waiting to hear from him. And so Habakkuk does that. And in verse 2, God does speak. Notice it says, Then the Lord replied, Habakkuk, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. In other words, God's like, Habakkuk, get out your notepad. Uh, get a pen ready and get ready to write this down. I want it written clearly. I want it written in permanent marker. And I want it on something that it's easy to carry around, something that you can put in your pocket, something that a herald can run with. Because listen, what, what I'm about to tell you here, Habakkuk, it, it's not going to happen right away. There's going to be a, a, a time period. You, free, you see, friends, that's the second word here this morning, and it's the word wait. When we don't understand what God is doing, sometimes we need to learn to wait. Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Notice verse 3. Because the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. In other words, it's coming, but here it is. Here it is. Though it linger, wait for it. It'll certainly come and will not delay. Though it linger, wait for it. Though it linger, Habakkuk, wait for it. Now, I don't know about you, but I'll be honest, this biblical concept of waiting, uh, here's the truth, I, I just flat out don't like it. I, I just don't. Um, I, I hate waiting. I, I had a doctor's appointment uh, a few months ago up in Stainer, and uh, 
My appointment was for 9 o'clock in the morning. I made it early, and my thinking was that, hey, if you make it first thing in the morning, he's not going to have that backlog, and so he's not going to be late. He should still be right on schedule, right? 9 a.m., how can you not be on schedule at 9 in the morning? So I get there a few, few minutes early, and I, I, I go up to the desk, and I say to the girl, I'm here to see the doctor, and she says, oh, I'll just have a seat for a minute, and you know, we'll, we'll give you a call when we're ready. A and so I'm sitting there, and half an hour goes by, and then 45 minutes, and then I'm looking at my watch, and it's like 10 o'clock. And uh, I, I don't know about the rest of you here this morning, but I can only read two-year-old magazines for so long, you know? There's just something about old news that I just don't find it real appealing. And uh, so anyway, I, I'm sitting there, right? I'm flipping through these magazines for like an hour. An hour and a half goes by. I happen to be looking out the window. Here comes my doctor strolling across the parking lot, just coming into the building. He's just on his way to work. He just, it's like 10.30 in the morning. Now, in all fairness, maybe, maybe he had a good excuse for that, you know, being an hour and a half late. I don't know what he was doing exactly, but, 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 what, but what got me was that, they, was that they just expected me to wait. I mean, nobody told me that the doctor wasn't in. I'm just assuming he's in there, you know, delivering a baby or something important is happening. And uh, I, 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 just, I, I just hate waiting. Um, I mean, bad enough if he's in there with a patient, but to think that he's sitting at home with his bowl of cornflakes while I'm here flipping through, you know, Flare magazine uh, for the 10th time, uh, it, it was just, it, it just, I mean, that's just not right. It's just not right, you know. Or is it? Or, or, or is it? You see, we, we become a society that, that just longs for the instant solution, don't we? You know, we are so time-oriented. I, I did a, a Google search on the word instant last week. I got 236 million matches. Now, every, everything from instant potatoes to instant photography uh, to instant noodles, you know. And, uh, but, but, but you know what? E even as believers, we're guilty of this thing. We really are. Uh, we want instant answers to our prayers. It's like, here's my prayer, God. Now, what's your response? I, I, I need it now, God. I want instant direction from you, God. I want an instant, here, here's my problem, now you fix it, and if you could do that in the next couple hours, that would be great. But friends, listen, in, in God's economy, it just doesn't work that way. And like it or not, time and again, God, through his word, says, you're going to have to wait on me for this one. You're just going to have to wait on me. Over and over again. Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Acts 1, 4, wait for the gift my Father promised. Titus 2, 13, wait for the blessed hope. Friends, I could give you reference after reference after reference. Wait, 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 wait. And here in Habakkuk, God says, though it linger, wait for it. Wait for it. You know, in a society of instant oatmeal, there's just no easy way to package that truth. There really isn't. 
But I'm telling you, the reality of living out biblical Christianity is, is this. Listen, there's going to be lots of times, especially when I don't understand what God's up to, when I'm sick and I don't understand why God's not healing me, or I'm having to suffer, I'm having to go through this crisis in my life, or you know, this, this difficulty just doesn't make any sense to me. In those times, well, first of all, we need to watch for God. We need to get to a place where we can hear from Him and see Him. But secondly, we need to wait. I have to wait. I have to wait for him to bring a resolution. His word says he has a plan through this, and I have to wait. So you say, okay, okay then, I, you know, I understand that I'm going to have to wait, but what do I do while I'm waiting? What am I to do in this in-between time, this time when I'm just sitting here, I'm watching for God, I'm not hearing from him? What am I to do while I'm waiting? See, I, I think that's the question that, Habakkuk has as well, because notice what God says to him. He, he, God starts to lay out this revelation that he wants Habakkuk to write out. He gets like two lines into it. Notice what God says there, verse 4. He says, see, he, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright. He's speaking of the Babylonians. But the righteous, notice the contrast here. The, the Babylonians puffed up, desires not right. But the righteous, that's you, Habakkuk, the righteous... Those who have a right relationship with God, I believe the most of us here this morning. Notice it says, the righteous will live by his faith. In other words, in contrast to the person who's puffed up, who's proud of himself, who knows what he's doing, not only do I know what I need to do, I know what you need to do as well. In contrast to that person is, listen, is the person who walks by faith. That's the third word that I have this morning. It's the word walk. Watch, wait, walk. What are we to do while we're watching, while we're waiting? I believe scripture calls us to walk forward by faith. You see, our responsibility in this in-between time is to live our lives by faith. When we don't see God physically working, our eyes of faith say, well, I know that God is at work even though I can't see him working. When our human eyes look at the situation and say, you know, there's no possible way for God to bring anything good out of this situation. In that place, I need to say to myself, no, I, I don't care what I see. I believe by faith that God is going to bring something good. God works for the good of those who love him. I trust him in that. I have faith and I believe that he's going to follow through on that thing. Walking by faith. Not easy. Not easy. Stories told of a little boy who had fallen asleep one night in, a, in an upstairs bedroom. And they had this old coal stove in the basement and a coal rolled out of the stove and caught the rug on fire and it wasn't too long until the whole house was filled with flame. And uh, thankfully the, the, the smoke detectors were working and so the little boy heard this ringing and he quickly woke up. But he remembered something that his parents had told him that you know, if you're ever in a, in a room and, and you can smell smoke and you think there might be a fire, don't go ripping open the door. Go over and put your hand on the door and make sure that it's, if it's hot, you, know, you don't want to open that thing. And so this little boy knew enough to do that and he crawled across the floor and he put his hand on the door and he knew pretty quickly that there was flames in the hallway and he, he wasn't going to get out that way. And so the little boy, smart as he was, he went over to the window and he opened it and as soon as he opened the window, he could hear his father crawling out, crying out from the ground below saying, son, uh, just jump. 
I, I, I'm right here below the window. All you need to do is jump and I'll catch you. But of course it was the middle of the night. And all that little boy could see was flames and smoke and darkness. And you can imagine how terrified that little kid was. As he's looking out there, all you can see is black. He's looking behind him and the, the flames are starting to eat through his bedroom door. I mean, you can imagine that sense of fear. And all the while, the father's down below yelling, Jump! I'll catch you. Just jump. All you need to do is jump and, and, and I'll catch you. The little boy said, Daddy, I, you, you don't understand. I, I can't see you down there. It's all black, Daddy. It's all smoke. It's all flame. I, I, I can't see you down there. To which the wise father calmly replied, It's okay, son, because I can see you, and that's all that matters. And so finally, because he knew of the reality of his father's love, the little boy jumped off into the darkness and into the safety of his father's arms. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't yet see. In other words, we know, we, we can't see maybe that God is there, but he's there. Certain of what we don't yet see. And it's that faith in Jesus Christ, that assurance, that certainty, that the promises of God remain true. Regardless of what's going on around us, that God remains in control. That God will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The promises of God, that God loves you and I so much that we'll never be able to understand or comprehend all of that. The promise that if we confess our sins, God forgives us. And as far as God's concerned, they're, they're gone forever. Never to be remembered against us. The promises of God's word that he holds us in the palm of his hand. That he shelters us within his wing. That he'll renew our strength. That he's gone to prepare a place for us. That he'll come again. Loved ones, listen, there's so many things that we can be sure about. We can be certain of. So I ask you this morning, regardless of what you're going through, are you trusting God with that thing? With that situation? Even though it doesn't seem right, even though it maybe doesn't seem to make sense, are you trusting God with that thing? Are you watching for him, first of all? Have you taken your eyes off the situation long enough to get focused on God? Are you watching for him? And then are you willing to wait for as long as it... You might be up in that watchtower for a long time. In fact, I dare say for some of us, it doesn't, we don't get the answer. We will be up there for the rest of our lives. Watching, waiting, praying. Continuing to walk by faith with God. Continuing to trust Him. Even though we can't see Him, we know He's there. And so we continue to walk forward by faith. That's what we need to be doing when we don't understand 
what God's doing. Let's pray together.